you know, people are willing to pay hundreds or thousands of dollars for a newspaper that was printed on a specific date. People are willing to pay $2 million for a jersey worn by Michael Jordan on a specific game. And I think media NFTs are capturing precisely these historical moments, but on-chain and they're digital assets. You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we ask you one more question? This podcast is all about sharing the best conversations we have had with significant builders, experts, and communicators. The people we encounter and work with as we go about helping you build brands people care about. Season four is based on our exploration of Web3, NFTs, and all things Metaverse. We're seeing an explosion of creativity and brands popping up all over this new space. Yet the rules seem to be different and experimentation is not only expected, but welcome. Follow our conversations with the designers, the builders and the visionaries shaping Web3 and the metaverse. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Jakub Ruzietski. Jakub started his career in biochemistry, but switched gears in 2021 to focus on the cryptocurrency and blockchain space. He co-founded The Symmetrical, an investment DAO aimed at Gen Z, which has quickly grown to over 60 members worldwide. The organization aims to educate and provide investment opportunities tailored for younger generations interested in the digital asset space. Currently, Jakub is the summoner for Social Graph Ventures, another DAO that invests in Web3 social technologies. This venture focuses on supporting projects that build the underlying technology and apps that power decentralized social networks and communities. We talk about how a focus on empowering Gen Z in Web3 has built many opportunities for him. He's a true Web3 native and has explored all over this exciting space. He shares his experience on building DAOs, working with people to build a mutually beneficial relationship, and he shares how they're defining a new path on how to create value together. Enjoy. Jakob, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been a long time coming, but thank you for joining me today. Lovely. Yeah. And, and thanks for, uh, for, uh, for inviting me. Uh, happy to be here. I know it took us some time, but uh, finally managed to, to make it happen. Well, I mean, I think you are a sort of a real proper Web3 native. You're all doing things all over the space. And, you know, in true Web3 style, we were introduced um, on Telegram via somebody I met in Discord, which feels like the appropriate um, channels to be sort of introduced to each other. So um, I'd love to start with with one of the kind of big projects that you're part of, which is the, the Symmetrical DAO. Can you just for the listeners explain like what it is and and yeah we'll take it from there yeah absolutely so i think glad to be uh you know labeled a a web3 native i actually gone into web3 full-time uh somewhere around uh late uh 2021 Uh, at that time i had a career at a health tech startup uh before that i was actually a biochemist by education and and late 2021 is like when I decided to like dive deep into it. And like in terms of the symmetrical, I think like I got like hooked on crypto again. Like I think I think I made my first investments in 2018, but completely left. I was a tourist back then. And then NFTs came around and I got super excited about that. And I thought that like 
yeah, I'm going to quit my job and like try and run an NFT project or, or something like that. Mm. And sort of in the back of my mind, I knew that like you know, <laughs> NFTs are like uh, on on uh, on the, the graph of a, a bull run and then the the, the bubble bursting. Uh, they're they're pretty high up there, and and there's sort of there's not much runway left uh, in terms of like what can you do and actually be able to like raise meaningful meaningful capital for that. So like in in the back of my head, I knew that like. I definitely don't want to be a tourist like in 2018. I want to stay here for, for the longer term and that I want to, um, that I want to, uh, you know, if I want to stay in the space, it, it can't just be you know, doing NFT projects. Uh, it, it has to be something more meaningful. And I was reading about like, what do you do to like stay in the space or like get a job at some point in, in crypto? And one of the most like recurring themes, like for these like random articles that I read, it was like, join a DAO and start contributing. And I was following something called syndicate.io. Uh, they're like pivoting right now, but at that time their big idea was like, you know, there should be like these investment clubs, these like uh, vehicles of like people collectively managing a, a treasury and like investing into, into various things. And they were reposting that someone's like doing uh, something called the symmetrical. Um, and uh, I joined just to feel sort of satisfied with myself uh, about, uh, you know, I'm contributing to a DAO and it's like a Gen Z DAO. Uh, but the, the idea was for us to, to initially pull capital together and, and invest into on-chain assets. It very quickly took the lead on, on the investments team. And, and soon after, I actually became a, a co-founder uh, with my other co-founder at that time. And uh, really, the symmetrical started with this, uh, you know, vision of like, we wanted to empower Gen Z and Web3. I think that's the best umbrella term for like what we're trying mm. to, to accomplish here. And and there's been multiple iterations on that. I think during our Seed Club demo day, uh, what we said is like, uh, we're here to establish a dominant position of Gen Z and Web3 because late stage capitalism has fucked us. I think that's a very powerful statement. Uh, but generally, it's, it's all about giving our generation opportunities in, in, in Web3, where we think this is like a completely new, new asset class. And the way I like to compare it is that like, you know, Boom has got to buy $10,000 houses in the US. That's no longer the case. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, and then like younger generations got to like participate in the stock markets uh, and, and being able to like make a lot of money. And I'm not sure if that's still the case. And then it's like this brand new, brand new sort of asset class called crypto. And uh, I think Gen Z being young is is like much more likely to adopt it instead of the older generations and the 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 mongers and Warren Buffetts that do not believe in crypto. Um, and yeah, I, it's symmetrical. Is like started as an investment club. Uh, we quickly realized that there is something very competitive about a young group of like builders and, and investors. And we were thinking like, what other things can, can, can we do there? And, you know, we scored an allocation into Disco Seabrown. And I think that was like a big aha moment for us to like realize that actually highly oversubscribed rounds, we're still able to get in because founders want to have a group of young people and like just hang out with them, get some feedback on the product itself. Um, and and that's when we launched a, a grants program. Actually, uh, it was uh, it was uh, funny times. Like we uh, we didn't have much of a network in crypto at that time. And after we scored Disco, me and my co-founder, we had this like crazy idea. How about we like try and raise a small fund 
And I just started cold DMing a bunch of people, uh, telling them like, hey, like, please take a call with me. I want to talk to you. And this is like a bunch of crypto investors, mm-hmm. uh, sort of successful people in the space and, and also like VCs and things like that. And a couple of people actually did reply to my cold DM. I think it was like early, early bear market vibes. There was less noise, definitely. So I managed to get on some calls. And I think one of the best calls, like the most helpful call was, was actually with uh, Peter Pan from, from OnKX. And, and what he suggested is that this is a very good angle to uh, you know be these like group of young investors, but we need to create more of a track record for ourselves. And this one syndicate is not good enough. And, and what he suggested to us is we should actually run a grants program. Uh, and that's what we decided to do. We, we started raising for a grants program deploying into into web3 social and into uh well, into consumer first to be honest because uh, mm. that's where we feel like gen z has has the biggest advantage and yeah we've been deploying these grants for about a year we've got about six or seven uh six or seven grants deployed we raised from like 1kx network and peter and, and also from uh from uh meta cartel and they've all supported us you know, we've been giving out these grants uh, and we were thinking like, what could be the next steps for us? So we're, we're, we're by then we're already doing some on-chain investments. We have like an investments team, uh, but we're in the middle of a bear market. How can you like keep a community entertained about on-chain investments when everything is just absolutely tanking? And that was mm. the very initial idea of how the symmetrical started. It's like, let's start making some money together. And it's not that easy to make money as a DAO. Because uh, like our strategy is like, you know, have high conviction into like specific like on-chain assets and like hold them for a prolonged period of time. I think the the flexibility is lacking in DAOs versus uh, you know other uh, if if you're trading by yourself, everything has to pass through a governance proposal and and it's like it takes a couple of days to actually like uh, make the uh, you know make give time for people to 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 vote and and that's why we you know we started with these grants to kind of build up for for this future fund actually. And and in the meantime, we're also like you know, trying to establish the right revenue models. And I think we've made a lot, a lot of mistakes on the way. Like we started consulting, and we like actually managed to get some paid consulting jobs, which was like cool and 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 nice. But uh, <laughs> we realized how much of a pain consulting is, and like managing. You know, I, I think the rewards were very low. Uh, in terms of like split this between like six people, how much a, a company can pay a bunch of twenty uh, something year olds uh, to to help them out like marketing or like product feedback and things like that. I think one of the biggest mistakes that we had we've done we had like we made is is actually not paying ourselves first, and I think that was the problem. Is like like we've uh, you know we've been. We've, Tirelessly working full time, not not paying ourselves at all for uh, for the work done as symmetrical. And like even in these consulting jobs, we I had this feeling that like I wouldn't want to pay myself for this. I want to show the community that uh, you know you can earn money with us. And and like in the end, there's like nothing left for us for from from mm. these jobs. But consulting and doing it for uh, you know coordinating a group of young people that also have their full-time jobs uh between asia and the states and also europe is uh it, it's a very tricky tricky thing to do so we've uh, we've done that we've scaled down completely on that uh and then we went into like a, a full bd mode and uh we were trying to like pinpoint where can we start making money and one of the things that we've discovered is like there's 
there's two currently things that we're doing. One of them is actually a, a series. We're producing content on like, where's the money in the creator economy? And I think this is great. And I think there's like a huge gap here. There's a ton of projects that are incredibly cash rich and they would love to do more in marketing and they'd love to be able to explain what their sort of infra protocol is actually doing in mm. a human language for, for, for regular people to understand, but they don't have the right people there. And I think this is like a very on top market. So what we did is like, we reached out to, to a couple of people. We, we were lucky enough to, to get Zerion and, and also Lens to participate in the first season. And we're actually sort of almost halfway through, through that season. We're trying to figure out whether it's economically feasible to be a Web3 native content creator. Um, aside of that, we were also like working with LifePeer, helping them with uh, some potential integrations there. And it's, it's continuing the theme of like empowering Gen Z and allowing young people to work with these like large established brands in the space and actually like mm. provide value to them and also have some, some monetary reward for them. Um, I think that's, that's kind of, yeah. I think that's a fascinating, I mean, it's, it's fascinating how you've come up with this, this sort of purpose you know, of kind of helping this generation to sort of make money and create the next asset class. And you're not 100% sure what the the product is because the market has kind of changed how you operate and you can't just be buying things and, and kind of making ridiculous returns now. Now you're sort of exploring these different opportunities. Uh, you know, it's a, a, I think a, a fascinating use case for companies on how products can be built in reverse, you know, like as opposed to going, we're going to start with, you know, let's make a hat or a clothing range. It's like, we have this group of people with an objective. Now, what are the things that sort of plug in around that? So, you know, I find that to be a, a fairly new model that this, this world has kind of unlocked or the, at least unlocked the potential for this to exist. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree, and I think because uh, it's like community at the core of this. And then, as long as you have a, a good community and you have people that are engaged and also like passionate about the mission, uh, then like you can figure out stuff. It's like fuck around and find out. It's like a good way of describing the the sort of process around the symmetrical. We're trying mm. to find opportunities. We're willing to experiment. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we do extremely well. Um, and, and it's, and it's kind of a, a journey there. And at the same time, you know, you have to adopt, adapt to, to the changing conditions. Uh, and, and like, I remember like when you we were in seed club Swift cohort, we were pretty like at that time, it was kind of the end of the, the sort of the, the Dow, the days of like investable DAOs. but there was still like a, a, a lot of hope around like, yeah, for sure we can uh, we can, we can raise for this metric. We can raise for this uh, this community. There's like a couple of DAOs that have uh, have raised in the past. Like I think Friends with Benefits was always our like kind of the the holy grail, and we we're like, mm. yeah, they've managed to fundraise. We're going to do something similar but different, uh, and target a completely different like group of people. Like focus on Gen Z, and uh, obviously that. That wasn't the case, and no, no one's investing into like DAOs, like social DAOs that also have an investment aspect. But it's it's mostly a social DAO and, and trying to like figure out what, what works and what doesn't. Um, so yeah, we had to we had to change and adapt. And yeah, the product is consistently 
consistently changing. I remember, mm. <laughs> I remember at some point, uh, the, there was this funny narrative of like the DAO is the product. I think a lot of people were like, uh, shilling that heavily. It's like the DAO itself is, is actually the product. But the DAO, I guess, is more of just the, the relational thing that holds the people together. It's more like the org structure. It's not actually the, the product. So, so, as, um, so I knocked you off your, your train of thought. You were talking about, like, can you be a media, like, can you actually be a, a Web3 native kind of media generator or content creator? What was the next experiment that you did? Yeah, so I think that's, that's uh, in our one and a half years of, of history, uh, mm. that's, I think, uh, in terms of the experiments for generating revenue. But we mm. also launched something called Collectible DAO. And we bought, got a bunch of people from, like outside investors as well to 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 actually invest into this something called collectible DAO and, and collectible DAO is is this funny ahead of the curve bet on media NFTs where we have a very strong thesis around you know the fact that um, media NFTs are incredibly cheap as it is right now. Um, mm. Can you hear me? By the way, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Because there is no like. Uh, never mind. Um, and uh, yeah, media NFTs are um, are sort of capturing these historical moments in the crypto space. Um, so, like, you know, you can. Uh, if it, I, I would sort of make it analogous to like, if, if you think about, you know, people are willing to pay hundreds or thousands of dollars for a newspaper that was printed on a specific day. Um, people are willing to pay $2 million for a jersey worn by Michael Jordan on a specific game. And I mm. think media NFTs are capturing precisely these historical moments, but on-chain and they're digital assets. And, and you know, when we were launching Collectible now, we looked at uh, the Eric Voorhees SBF podcast for Bankless. And when we are launching, um, it was actually the... The podcast was minting for 0.05 ETH, and it obviously minted out. And at the time of us launching Collectible DAO, it was uh, 2.2 ETH, the floor price. So we already saw some early signs there. And we think that like amassing a, a large portion of like mirror posts, podcasts, announcements, these like historically le- relevant things. And I would equate a, a, a mirror post, like a Genesis mirror post of the next sort of multi-billion dollar project, sort of laying mm. out the foundations by the founder himself uh, is, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like, you know, getting the early notes of like, you know, Zuck's er, like notebook that he was like ideating on Facebook and like face mash or face munch. I don't remember how, mm. how, how exactly was it called, but like the, 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 the first project of like, uh, you know, uh, saying who's hot or not. So but it'll have um, cultural significance. It'll have like cultural, sig- like almost post dated cultural significance. So if it does go on to be huge, then it, then that object, you know, kind of maintains a, a value or has a kind of rarity as it, which is an interesting thought. Precisely. And that's, that's the whole idea of collectible DAO is like to, to collect these, these historical moments, these like, uh, we we collected the the Balaji uh, Bankless episode, uh, his one million dollar bet. You know he was wrong, but at the same time, <laughs> it's historically relevant. It's this like yeah. high signal, really well known person uh, that was wrong. And you know, five ten years time, people would be like, yeah, it was like a a, a big moment. So you spun off this this collectible DAO uh, based on, uh, I guess like 
you know, well, before I say that, I think the first thing I find interesting is you got the same thesis. My, my art lecturer at university had a theory that you couldn't buy, like when an artist becomes popular, it's difficult to buy their art. Um, so he goes to every single year, the universities have like exhibitions. So the first year students are exhibiting second year, third year, fourth year. And he goes and he buys one art from every single artist in every single year, every single year. And he's like, I'm just hedging my bets. Cause when someone's in first year, you know, they, they're happy to sell a piece of work for $50, a hundred dollars, you know, like they just want cash cause they, they either want to buy more art supplies or they want to buy a beer, but you know, they haven't kind of built a reputation or anything like that. So he's built up this art collection over time and he now has art from some of the, the kind of most popular African artists in South Africa that he bought at a fraction of the price. And they've now kind of blown up globally and become really popular. So, so it's that same kind of theory, but just emanating from inside, you know, a, a new asset class, as you, as you put it. I mean, the one thing I find fascinating here is that you, you know, the sort of the narrative often around young people in web three is that it's this like wild speculation, you know, kind of mentality throwing, you know, like crazy bets, spending huge money, winning, losing. But I find how you're approaching all of this very thoughtful and very methodical, even if you are on the fringe of kind of technology and the fringe of, of these things, but the kind of underlying thought process is still quite solid from my perspective. Yeah, I think, you know, that's like a big part of, of like, I think investing is like, it's much better to, to start making super early bits into, you know, niches or, or specific themes that uh, haven't picked up yet. Because, you know, it, it's just a matter of trying to like predict the future here. And, and that's, that's what we're trying to do with these media NFTs is like, we think this has high potential to, to be extremely valuable in the future. Um, and um, yeah, I think similar with, with other things that we've been thinking about is like when the more market is there, that's more like active trading and, and, and actually like making a ton of mistakes. I'm, I'm not a fan of like actively trading. Uh, I don't think mm. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. So I'm much more for sort of trying to find the things that seem to have a high potential to, to being big in, in, in the coming months or years and, and actually trying to make some bets there. And obviously the cost is so much lower. Like mm. the NFTs right now are majority of them are actually free, which is, which is also pretty funny. It's like the majority of mirror posts right now are, are, are basically free. Uh, and, and about a year ago or so, or maybe even a year and a half ago, uh, they were like experimenting with like crazy stuff. So like, uh, some, some, uh, some people were doing mirror posts and then they were creating like a, a, a rarity sort of scale. So like there was only like one of the rarest and it could cost like 1.5 ETH to get the, 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 the rare one. Then it was like, you know, not 0.5 ETH and then not 0.01 ETH. And like people were minting that and then like, yeah, so, so it, it has changed a lot, but I think mm. at some point it will still have, yeah, a, it, it will be valuable to some people. Now, even just well, I saw, like, 
They yeah. sold an unopened iPhone one for what was like a hundred and fifty thousand US dollars the other day. I mean, like, like it's insane. It's an insane thing that you're buying essentially defunct technology that doesn't work, but because it's in this like little mint box, you know. So I think it is that same logic, and that's, I guess, where I like for companies and brands. This is interesting because this is you know when you talk about this new asset class, this is coming out of a generation that grew up connected and grew up kind of in a in a digital realm and i think that that curve is only extending i think the the generations that follow are are even more connected i mean i've got friends whose kids are you know 10 11 and spending 3 hours a day on roblox you know like uh, that's not a weird thing for them to do it just is what it is um so i think these assets are going to grow in interest in use case in value i think all of these things are going to become bigger and bigger and i think companies should think about that kind of stuff yeah no absolutely i i I agree it's uh it's going to be very similar with digital collectibles in my opinion Hmm. so what is the like are you seeing any companies any brands any people kind of playing in media nfts or is it still just the people who are creating in this space so in terms of like media NFTs, do you mean by uh, collecting or creating? Both. Prob- so probably in more terms so of collecting, creating. In terms of collecting, I think that there's other, there is no single investment DAO focused or collectors DAO focused on media NFTs, at least not that we know of. Hmm. Um, there is some individuals that uh, you can see that they're, they've been collecting a lot. Uh, I think the founder of Mirror has been collecting a ton of stuff. Um, mm. That's kind of like, a, it, it's like a big place for us to, to actually pick up these uh, these potential future gems. But uh, in terms of brands with, with media NFTs and, and things like that, I think we're moving into a, like more immersive uh, or, or, or um, yeah, more dynamic NFT experiences. And and like, if you would consider like tickets or or, or things like that as as uh, as NFTs and uh, as like media NFTs, then then yeah, for sure, uh, that would uh, you know, there's there's already some people trying to to work on that. Obviously, gaming uh, for sure as well, uh, but it's still very Web three native. Uh, it's mm. it, you don't see large brands coming in and like dropping mirror posts and like announcements and, and like dropping uh, videos, etc. Like right now, as it is like, you know, on lens, for example, there's a couple, like there, there's a bunch of content creators. There's a couple of ones that have like been shipping regularly content. Uh, this is some cool stuff. Like definitely recommend watching man, man of the man of the world. Is it called by Booga from Zerion? Uh, man of Um, and that's that's like a wonderful piece of like media NFTs, like video NFTs as well. Glass protocol is definitely also worth, worth checking out. They're they're like a a, a, a media NFT marketplace, or video NFT marketplace. Mm. But if you think about media NFTs, that could also be music. I think uh, we're just kind of kind of like passing on music because I think there's a lot of people interested there and it's it's harder to 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 predict there although we make some some bets and I think you know Angel Baby uh the, the meta star has like uh created the first like successful mint of a song with uh Grimes's AI voice 
that's <laughs> where you see like mainstream artists and like there's actually like an on-chain revenue split there for for her and uh and for um and for uh angel baby i mean that's fascinating that you can not even participate physically you know just just contribute recordings of your voice and get kind of money coming back to you is a, a very interesting kind of you know use of of an asset uh, i was having a discussion with someone the other day that you know imagine imagine artists you know i think it works better for people like actors you know imagine brad pitt went and got scanned right now 3d scanned and you could then license there's like a cheaper version of Brad Pitt you can license. You can just use the the 3D AI kind of, you know, interpolated model as opposed to having Brad Pitt actually show up. And that's a much more cost-effective way of having him, you know, kind of participate in your in your things. And it's it now begs the question, like who owns who owns these digital representations of real world things? You know, I don't think we've had the the real world court cases and things like that of that stuff yet, because it's such a a new place to be. But I think, you know, this this is the the fascinating thing about playing out here on the fringes of of technology. I agree, and I think as long as as the artists are fine with it, just like Grimes, uh, then, then it's okay. And and I think it's like record labels not allowing their their, for example, artists and and perhaps their managers of the actors not allowing them to to like get scan and, and like become a platform. Cause that's what you essentially become. It's like, if you give your voice and like allow people to use it, remix it, et cetera, then, then you're making yourself a, a platform for others to build on. And I think mm. that's a very powerful position to be in, but I don't think artists are realizing yet that is to, you know, allow you're a world renowned artist and to allow others to actually get inspired by your, your, your sort of career and your voice and actually use it. And for you to have, you know, on-chain value accrual there. I think that's mm. a, that's a very interesting thing. And I think in the end, that's, that's where we will be heading, but it's going to take time. Like, you know, AI music had its moment and I was like listening to only AI music for about a week. Cause it was just <laughs> incredible to like, you know, listen to Kanye West doing like just the two of us and things like that. Um, but, uh, but I, I think it, it, it will come back. It's just uh, people don't understand it yet and, and the potential there. And I think in terms of like bringing in more more revenues, uh, the, the way of actually allowing others to, to use your voices uh, is, is good. And as long as there's like, you know, certain like legal constraints, like you can't do adverts or anything like that. But if you want to create yes. music, yeah. Go for it. I mean, I, I think it's interesting because you talk about the fact that the record labels and people like that are the ones that are re like resisting. But I guess it, it we've already proved that this is a great way for people to disintermediate those kind of companies. So you've shown that Gen Z has this appetite for this stuff, you know, so they they there's an appetite for these things. And if the mark, you know, like if the big brands don't provide it, people will just provide it on their own. And I think as the artists, you know, so you're unlikely to get the, the, the older, more established artists, but you will get the newer ones. And as soon as they show success, then it puts pressure, you know, on the other ends of the kind of spectrum to be like, how do we, you know, how do, how do I start kind of participating in this space? And I think you've seen people like Taylor Swift really question 
the structure of the musical industry, you know, and, and who makes money and where does that money go? Um, and it's, I think, easy enough for her to do that because of like the level of popularity. But, you know, uh, this becomes an avenue for new artists or emerging artists to kind of monetize in a very unique way. Yeah, precisely. And, and I think, you know, Daniel Allen is, is a perfect example. He, his first record deal was actually selling half of the rights of his like EP uh, to, to the community. And that's how he like bootstrapped his his career until he he raised a another round uh, quite recently. But uh, yeah, I mean, precisely there needs that doesn't no longer needs to be a record label uh, in terms of if you need the funding. Obviously, record label takes care of, of other things as well. But it, it looks like a very sort of extractive uh, extractive business when it comes to you know ar- ar- artists starting off and and then realizing when they actually make it that. They're, they're, they're seeing a very small percentage of, of what they could actually be getting. Mm. Now, Tommy, so, so you've talked about the symmetrical, you've talked about the, the collectible DAO, like you mentioned that you're starting a new kind of a new project. Tell us a little bit about the, the new kind of iteration of the thinking of, of what you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the new project is uh, it's called Social Graph Ventures. And I think it's like it's been us like lessons from us deploying grants into Web three social projects, uh, us uh, launching collectible DAO, and just like hanging around in in the Web three social space, hanging around like Farcaster, Lens, and and, and CyberConnect, and and all the others is like just checking them out and what's available there. And you know, I think first of all, I think you know, media NFTs are in a sense very. Uh, very much the core of Web3 Social. Web3 Social is a way of handling content as media entities. Um, so, so we think that these are very complementary to each other. And then we were looking at the, the space and, and we think there's like a huge gap here in terms of there isn't enough funding available for great uh, Web3 Social app and middleware builders. And I'd say app mostly because you can always find something for like funding for like an infrastructure uh, play or something like that. Every, everyone is, feels more comfortable investing into infrastructure rather than, than, than actually like consumer, uh, consumer apps. But uh, yeah, the, the way we see it is that there isn't enough funding there. I think uh, we're in the midst of a bear market. Uh, investors are super conservative with their, uh, with their checks. Uh, and, and at the same time, this is like a very contradicting thing is like the people that are still here, the people that are still building in Web3 social and generally building in crypto are the most resilient ones and actually the ones that are building that new thing. I think the bull market brings in a, a, a ton of noise uh, and, and a bunch of startups copying each other's uh, ideas and trying just to raise a larger round from uh, from from the next next fund that is opportunistically coming into, into crypto. Um, and we actually wanted to be much more contrarian here and and yeah, start deploying where there's no one paying attention. We think that Web3 Social is going to be a huge catalyst of, of the next bull run and a huge catalyst for, you know, it has like just two, two things that can happen. It could like replace some of the existing Web2 social media because we can see how how un, like unwell have they been doing, uh, how badly is Twitter doing, and how like actually ownership. No, no, it's, not Twitter, it's not X, please. X, like, we're going to get the brand correct. Like, let's, yeah. let's not get how, how poorly is X doing? How how actually, you know, you are the product of these uh, 
these uh, these social networks and you don't have ownership over basically anything that you post there and, and even your username, just like the whole situation of the X handle uh, being taken away. And um, we think that, well, it's, it's a very high potential, uh, high potential field. Uh, we're super excited about uh, actually investing and, and backing these founders at the pre-seed and seed stage. We're uh, already deploying capital and and still still actually raising. We've managed to secure some some incredible investors in in the DAO. Um, and uh, yeah, the the idea here is 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 really to to provide that support to to these founders and actually also shine more light on Web3 social because not only does it have a good chance of like replacing it, some of the existing social media, we think that it has a chance of creating, and that, that's where I think the, the largest catalyst will be really, is you know, not Twitter clones, not uh, Reddit clones. People like, you know, there's these like ideological things about it that uh, we, we think that maybe some people will be attracted to. It's like you have ownership over your data and, and, and you have much more control when like as a content creator, you could potentially better monetize if there actually would be more liquidity in, in these ecosystems. Um, mm. But I, I, I think, the killer use case here will actually be um, combining what crypto does well, which is finance, and then having social experiences around it. So I think you know things like SteelCam and PartyDAO are like a good showcase of where the space might be heading. Um, that's uh, that's 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 what we think is like something net new. And I think the net new things where you can also have like a gamified social experience is 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 where there's going to be things that. Web two people want to hop onto because they'll see that there's like it's like something brand new, and there hasn't been anything new in in Web two social for for a pretty long time, and they're, they're very similar to each other and copying each other, just like Instagram Reels and TikTok. It's it's basically the same the same thing. So so we're excited about that. But uh, lastly, you know, I think that Web three social is going to like rejuvenate uh, a whole bunch of of different ecosystems within crypto as well. So. Think about like DeFi and 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 or like gaming, on-chain gaming. Like these are very like the the, the social experiences are are sort of isolated from the game itself, from DeFi itself, and like the mm. discussions around like where are you going to take a loan out or like how how do you do like MEV and like how do you optimize that and flash loans and all of that stuff. This is like still like Telegram, Discord, and then you actually perform these activities very much in a single-player manner. And imagine if you could like integrate like a lens social graph and be able to like see what are your friends participating. You go on Ave and you can see like, oh, he's borrowed from this and like he's providing liquidity there. And and I think that would make it much more multiplayer. And then suddenly I could see like, oh, Ross is like in this like liquidity pool. I'll join him. And if you could like, you know, have this process more integrated, if you could have also gaming, see where your friends are playing and and actually see it in a way like you can see where is your social graph, the people that you're following on Lens or a podcast or CyberConnect, wherever. If you could actually see where are they heading, like where are they going, it's it's a much more multiplayer and, and much more enjoyable process. And, and in terms of DeFi, I think it would just be less scary to see what of your other friends are doing without you needing to like DM them and saying like, hey, what are you up to in DeFi? Or like yes. going into like Etherscan and, and trying to check that out. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's also that thing of 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 creating, like recreating the ease of the Web two experience. Like, you know, a lot of these these protocols are very difficult to interact with 
you know, like you talk about EtherScan, like it's not a it's not a pleasant experience going to EtherScan and like digging through the code. Like there are people who absolutely love that, but it's not for everyone. Whereas you look at the kind of process of uh, threads launched, you know, you know, in the offshoot of the kind of chaos, and even as badly as Zuckerberg has done at kind of alienating people, he still got hundreds of millions of people to sign up, but the sign-up process was so smooth. Like there was zero friction. You just went there and you're like, give me my name and there it is. And then they were like, here are all the people you know, you know, like, and and kind of go. It was such a, a smooth experience. So I think when when these experiences start to mirror the quality and level of UI UX that people are used to in the general market, it's going to kind of explode because, you know, like you said, there's this innovation and this new way and this new sort of thinking. And if you mirror that with the old kind of the old standards, you get to a really, you know, kind of compelling use case for, for the technology. Or are you still on mute? Sorry, uh, it's just <laughs> lots, lots happening here. So I'm trying to yes. mute whenever I don't have to speak. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's totally right. Is uh, yeah, the user experience is very outdated, and we can see we can see that everywhere. Like NFT experience, like experiencing NFTs themselves is like you know, there's, there's also not much of a social aspect to them. You mint on a page, and then like, what do you do? You can post on Twitter. It's like. You know, any airdrops, like think about like airdrops and like you want to like create a community or something, like give someone a, a social token or like drop an NFT. And like what you have to do right now is like post it on Twitter and then like uh, drop me your ENS and I'll airdrop you something. How ridiculous that is that we still, there's like actually a cool project building something in in, in that direction is to, to be able to make that much more seamless. But as it is right now, yeah, you're, you have to post your ENS and then, uh, then you need to, I hope that the person that has actually tweeted is going to actually send you the stuff. So, mm. yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're incredibly far behind in terms of like uh, UX on, 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 on many levels. Right. And but I think so, so, a, lot of, a lot of people prefer convenience over, uh, you know, that's, that's why like people are still sticking around with like web social and, and people are sticking around with a bunch like, yeah. Convenience is so important uh, for for all of us, uh, and, I, and I think that's... I couldn't agree. Uh, like I couldn't agree more. Like convenience, it's not just convenience. I think what grew the following and the adoption of crypto was the outsized financial returns. People were willing to put up with really janky, crazy stuff because the potential existed to earn hundreds of thousands of dollars. You remove that, which has happened now. And why would I go, you know, like I tried to, I tried all the video streaming platforms and you go and it's like hard and it's painful to like get in and it's not easy. And then the content isn't great when you get there. And then I'm like, I'm actually just going to go back to YouTube. Not because I want to be on YouTube, but just it's it's so much easier and it just works. And, you know, so so I fully agree that there's this this kind of convenience angle, which is is probably one of the biggest barriers. And once, if you remove that financial incentive, what's the next incentive that we can put in there to sort of encourage people to jump to a new, a new thing? I think that's one of the reasons Facebook sticks around is people are so, like this; they're so far invested in it, even though they hate the company and the experience and all of these things. It's still more convenient to just stay there than it is to move somewhere else. 
Yeah, precisely. And that's why we need these like consumer applications. It's like, it's time to build things that are convenient for the people, the, the average person for, for, for anyone. Um, exactly. It's like, uh, done with this, like, uh, scrappy sort of duct taped, uh, apps. It, it, let, let's focus on, on, on creating things that are actually convenient for people. Mm. So I'd love to, I mean, Jakob, I'd love to ask you one more question. Um, so you've had this amazing sort of experience and insight and depth in, in a short period of time coming from kind of a DAO, you know, like a social DAO that ended up as an investment DAO into thinking about collectibles, now thinking about kind of socials. What would you say to to companies or brands that are sort of on the outside here looking in? Like how would you encourage them to sort of get involved or to participate in a way that isn't, I, I want to say cringy, which is what the vast majority of, of, you know, kind of brands who've shown up in the space have done. Like, how would you encourage people to, to approach this sort of Gen Z digital craziness that you, you're all part of? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, a, a little bit of a self-shill is like in terms of like brands, if they want to onboard into, into Web3 Social, where I think they would want to kind of start their their, their social presence. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good person to talk to and definitely, definitely reach out there. I think there's a bunch of, of great people uh, that also have incredible depth uh, and, and in, in many aspects can be sort of much better advisor here. Uh, that I'm happy to also also refer to in terms of if someone is trying to to establish a a, a sort of a Web three strategy, but you know why should brands pay attention? Is that a founder recently told me that like all, all of us sort of crypto junkies are, are kind of like living in the future of like how things will look like in like five years time or so, and and it, it truly is the future. And like we can already see, you know, large like. Uh, fashion houses like Louis Vuitton and and all of them like starting to dip their toes into 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 nfts and and, and when we're talking about brands i think you know digital ownership is going to sort of increase the, the significance for having uh, ownership of digital assets is going to increase over time and for a lot of these brands it's it's actually an, an opportunity to to be there early and, and be able to like make a very significant mark here there isn't enough players as it is right now uh focusing on on like digital collectibles and and things like that so so actually being early to the space and, and paying attention is is the right way for you to to be able to you know prepare well and and execute on a cool vision and in the end like this will contribute to your revenue and and brands that might not necessarily be the clear leaders uh in in the physical world might be able to, to you know uh have hold a, uh, have great fundamentals to, to be leaders uh, in the digital space. So it's definitely, definitely worth paying attention. I like that. I like uh, that last thing you said there sort of, I think could, has the potential to prick people's ears is that you might not be able to beat Nike uh, in the real world, but you could potentially do it in a, in a completely new market. That kind of opportunity exists, even though they are one of the brands that's kind of aggressively pushing into the space. Um, you know, and so, so they also identified that this is not, you know, like that they can't just leave this alone. They have to participate and, and get involved. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for contributing and sharing your insights and your knowledge. Um, it was a fascinating conversation and I have 
a bunch of things written down that I want to go and um, look into because I think you have a very interesting lens on this world. Thank you very much. Uh, last one thing, it's uh, actually, it's called Man of Crypto, no, not Man of the Year. Uh, I think that's, uh, uh, what's his name? Man of the Year is, is this uh, American rapper, uh, Schoolboy Hugh. Yeah, <laughs> Man of Crypto, basically. That's, that's, okay. that's the name of the series, not Man of the Year. Man of Crypto by Booga. Yeah, B-O-O-G-A. Uh yeah, highly recommend that. Right. Lovely. Well, thanks for thanks for having me. Uh, good conversation, and uh, yeah, excited yeah. to see what comes of it. And we'll catch all of you in the next one. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. We believe sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who's building a brand or needs some inspiration for their brand, please share this with them. This is our fourth season, and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first to know when a new episode is released. Even better, leave a review and tell the world how much you enjoyed listening. One More Question is brought to you by the people of Nice Work. We're on a mission to build purposeful Web3 brands that people care about. We're based in South Africa and serve the leaders of brave companies around the world. If you'd like to know more, work with us or make a suggestion, please reach out at www.nicework.co.za. Bye-bye.